Across the Margin the Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Shields, and today we are here to talk some politics. And uh, we are lucky enough to feature an interview with the campaign manager for one of the Democratic nominees for president this year. That nominee is Mike Gravel, who I believe many of you know. And for those not in the know, let's review some. Mike Gravel is a Democratic politician who served as a senator from Alaska from 1969 to 1981. He was a candidate for president in 2008. And uh, as we mentioned earlier, is a candidate in the 2020 presidential election as well, this time with a fascinating twist, which we'll get to in a moment. Simply put, Gravel has been a champion of those who favor an increased critique and examination of American imperialism for the majority of his life and career. He is most famous for his aggressive attempts to end the draft during the war in Vietnam. And his most well-known moment is when he put the Pentagon Papers into public record in 1971 at a great risk to himself. Uh, the Pentagon Papers, much like the Mueller reports today, were documents those in powers didn't want to have released. Um, they demonstrated that the Johnson administration systematically lied, not only to the public, but also to Congress. In addition, the papers revealed the U.S. had secretly enlarged the scope of its action in Vietnam War with the bombings of nearby Cambodia, Laos, uh, there were coastal raids in northern Vietnam. None of, uh, none of that was being reported by the media at all, so that's how it came out. This is pretty intense stuff, and, and, and looking back now, um, you know, Gravel's resistance to the war appears noble and, um, and altogether important. And uh, moving forward in, in his, um, during his 2008 presidential campaign, if that, that campaign found him... Um, you know, attempting to to get discussions going about single payer national health care system, uh, increased term limits, um, some really progressive stuff, and and in particular, he uh, he was calling for an end of the Iraq War for full um, withdrawal of troops in 120 days. Um, in those debates, um, he often stole the show um, with candid, straightforward talk. Uh, here he is um, mocking some of his po- opponents, which um, which they include the likes of uh, Hillary Clinton was up there, um, Joe Biden, Obama was there. Uh, I think jo- yeah, John Edwards was there. So here's a little take of uh, of, of Mike Gravel. Senator Gravel, at a forum earlier this year, I want to get this right. You said it doesn't matter whether you are elected president or not. So then. Why are you here tonight? Shouldn't debates be for candidates who are in the race to win the race? Ryan, you're right. I made that statement. But that's before I had a chance to stand with them a couple, three times. It's like going into the Senate. You know, the first time you get there, you're all excited. My God, how did I ever get here? Then about six months later, you say, how the hell did the rest of them get here? (laughs) And and i got to tell you, after standing up with them, some of these people frighten me. They frighten me. 
when, when you have mainline candidates that turn around and say that there's nothing off the table with respect to Iran, that's code for using nukes, nuclear devices. I got to tell you, I'm president of the United States. There will be no preemptive wars with nuclear devices. To my mind, it's immoral, and it's been immoral for the last 50 years as part of American foreign policy. Let's use a little moderator discretion here. Senator Gravel, that's a weighty charge. Who on this stage exactly tonight uh, uh, worries you uh, so much? Well, I would say the top-tier ones. The top-tier ones. They I'm made statements. Oh, Joe, I'll include you, too. You have a certain arrogance. You want to... You tell the Iraqis how to run their country. I got to tell you, we should just play get out. Just play get out. It's their country. They're asking us to leave, and we insist on staying there. And why not get out? What harm is it going to do? Oh, the, you hear the statement, well, my God, these soldiers will have died in vain. The entire death of Vietnam died in vain. And they're dying in vain right this very second. You know what's worse than a soldier dying in vain? is more soldiers dying in vain. That's what's worse. Senator <laughs> so that's, um, you can see, he, he doesn't mince words. Um, so he's back at it, but this time his angle is a bit different and his reasons wholly compelling. Mike Gravel is 88 years old right now, and so on Inauguration Day he would be 90. Um, but by his own admission, he, he knows he's too old for such a stressful, important job, and and um, flat out doesn't want to be president. So, so you may wonder, why is he running? Well, because he was compelled and urged to do so by a high school senior named David Ox, who we'll be hearing from momentarily, who now runs uh, Gravel's campaign. Ox reached out to uh, Gravel and convinced him that he was needed with a goal to get on the debate stage and, and you know, kind of uh, take to task the field of Democratic frontrunners who they believe are increasingly losing touch with sensible, uh, you know, with a sensible progressive agenda, and particularly when it comes to foreign policy. Gravel's Twitter account has been at the heart of his campaign thus far, an account he has handed over to David and um, whose two friends who are helping with the campaign, Elijah Emery and Henry Williams, um, who have made waves with the use of this platform where they consistently and sharply can critique the alleged hypocrisy of many of the candidates and and the state of um, progressive politics in general. Uh, I find what the Gra uh, Gravel teens, as um, they are often referred to, I find what they are doing commendable on a lot of different levels, and I wanted to learn more. And so I reached out. In this uh, interview uh, with Gravel's campaign manager, David Ox, we discuss Gravel's goals and pushing the discussion and policies of the candid candidates uh, further left, we talk about um, Gravel's platform at length and specifically about which candidates uh, Gravel is uh, hoping to um, kind of help out with this, um, with this, uh, with what he's doing here. And, and we generally explore Ox's motivations and, and why he wants to be a part of Gravel's campaign. And, uh, and if you're interested in helping out in any ways, we discuss ways in which people can do so. Uh, before we dive in, just a reminder that um, Across the Margin, the podcast, is part of the Osiris Podcast Network. Osiris is a community of podcasts uh, that brings you news, uh, events, video, um, all kinds of amazing podcasts out, uh, as well. Go to OsirisPod.com and check out what they got going on over there. Since uh, we're talking some politics here, there is, a, there is another 
um, a podcast over at Osiris that I love that talks a lot of politics. It's called The Road to Now. Uh, I'm sure you've heard me talk about them before. Um, they have some recent episodes that, uh, you know, really get into some political happenings. There's one about the history of privacy in modern America. Uh, there's one about the origins of the um, American immigration policy. And there's also one on Americans' legacy of racial discrimination. And that's just a start. They have, a, they have you know, literally over 100 episodes now, and a lot of them touch on very relevant political and historical matters. It's awesome stuff. So check that out. Um, and here we are. Here is my interview with David Ox. So, yeah, I just got some questions for you. And I'm, first off, just want to tell you, uh, I think it's incredible what you're doing. I love it. It's, so, it's such a... Great idea, and I can't wait to learn more about it, and I can't wait to spread the word a little bit. It's really cool. No, no, not at all. It's, it's just an honor to be helping the senator anyway. Yeah, that's fantastic. So I'm just going to get going here. So thank you, David, for uh, making the time. I know you're extremely busy with the presidential campaign, so I appreciate it. Um, so i just like to start kind of getting to know the genesis of uh, kind of your relationship with uh, Mike Gravel. Um, I, guess, I guess a good place to start is kind of where you came upon, um, you know, when was it that you were kind of attracted to or, or, or taken by his policies and, and what he has done? Mm. Uh, well, I think, um, you know, I, I first came in contact with him on, on March 14th. I, I found his email online. Uh, I sent him an email. I gave him my phone number. Yep. And then, like, you know, three hours later, he, uh, he called me wow. uh, and said that he, he did not want to run for president. <laughs> So that's what your email said right off the bat. I think it would be incredible if he ran for president. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we wanted him uh, originally. The, the plan, uh, like the original email, it said, um, you know, you should run for president, not to win, just to push the field to the left. Yeah. And then he called and said, "I'm basically like I'm too old." His, his exact words were, uh, "Do you have any idea how old I am?" <laughs> uh, and. And he said that he was already supporting a candidate, that he was working on this book of his. Mm -hmm. uh, and instead, yeah, he just wanted us to, like, help proofread the book. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, gradually we, we kept on pushing him on it. Uh, we wrote this strategy memo for him. Uh, and, you know, after three days or so, he was on board. Uh, wow. And then the, the, next, the next hurdle was getting his wife on board. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and eventually, uh, you know, I think when she saw the reaction to it, mm -hmm. um, she she kind of got on board. Uh, and you know, we we like we like the senator. Uh, I should say we admire the senator rather. Uh, and you know, we're running his campaign because we see him as uh, the representative of an old order within the, uh, the Democratic Party mm -hmm. that was kind of destroyed a while ago. Um, you know, he's from kind of like the like the Frank Church uh, school of, of uh, leftism. Yeah. And, you know, right now we're in a Democratic Party ruled by, uh, you know, by, by the, the heirs of, of the Clintons. Yep. Uh, and so we, we see, you know, kind of having him run as kind of one small part of like a broader uh, leftist uh, revolution within the party. The, the exemplar of which would be Bernie Sanders, of course. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, our goal is, uh, our goal is kind of just to help, you know, help the, the leftist movement within the Democratic Party in, in some small way. Yeah. Uh, and ultimately, you know, help Bernie Sanders and, and Tulsi Gabbard and a few others. Yeah. So, yeah, exactly. I want to, you to speak on that a little bit, the goal of the campaign, because, 
you know, it is uh, unique in that, you know, the goal is not to win, but it's to, uh, you know, push things further left. How can, um, you know, just for the, everyone listening and the listeners, how can um, uh, the former senator running help push things left? Well, our goal is uh, get him into the base, qualify him either through him getting 1% in three polls, mm-hmm. uh, which at first we were not optimistic about, but now we've been doing well enough in polls that actually might pursue that. Fantastic. Um, and, uh, the other the other option would be getting to 65,000 uh, donors with some particular stipulations surrounding that. Um, so the goal is he goes to the debates and he kind of issues a critique of American imperialism yep. uh, and you know, says things that no other candidate, not even Bernie Sanders, is willing to say. Mm-hmm. And uh, with, uh, with with all these, you know, with, with a huge audience being exposed to ideas that have gone unspoken in, in democratic politics for Probably something, good. you know, forever, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, people for the first time are going to encounter, you know, serious anti-imperialist thought. Mm-hmm. You know, Senator Gravel is someone, you know, Senator Gravel was Chomsky. Senator Gravel... Uh, worked with Daniel Ellsberg. He's yeah. not. He's he, he's the real deal. So I think getting just getting him to the debates would be a, a huge huge deal. And even if he fails to qualify, uh, I think having a, a campaign that's you know very loud and very proud in uh, in promoting the, these leftist ideas, I think is uh, is a big step forward. I could not agree more. Can you speak on um, a little bit of his platform? I know you, I know you uh, you worked hard with. Um, with Mike on what the platform was in this uh, campaign. Um, could you speak on that a little bit? Oh, yeah. So our, our goal was we wanted to create the the most uh, specific and, uh, and most extensive left-wing platform that, that you could get. And we thought that, I mean, broadly, I think we, we agree with, with Bernie on a lot of stuff in domestic policy. The reason why we didn't just work for Bernie is because we thought that uh, especially on on foreign policy, he he was kind of a continuation of, of Obama, yeah. uh, and we thought that he hadn't. You know, he was he's a he's a big thinker on domestic stuff. He is not nearly as uh, uh, he, he's not nearly as ambitious when it comes to you know international affairs. Yeah. So the the platform, I think in total, it's something like eleven thousand words right now. Um, it's. You know, we kind of we we kind of wrote it as like kind of a, a progressive uh, dream platform. Mm-hmm. We had stuff like uh, cutting military spending in half, uh, ending all foreign, uh, uh, you know, uh, removing all all foreign bases, mm-hmm. uh, total denuclearization. Um, uh, you know, getting to a peaceful solution in. Uh, in Korea, banning mm-hmm. foreign arms sales, mm-hmm. uh, and then domestically, uh, stuff like not only stuff like the Green New Deal and single payer healthcare, but also um, you know reparations, public banking, the right to own, yep. um, an end to the war on drugs, abolishing the death penalty. Uh, it's you know we're not kind of shackled by this uh, you know by this uh, fear that we might be offending centrists <laughs> or offending conservatives. So we can kind of just do what we want in terms of the platform, and hopefully, when the campaign is over, a few of the, the more uh, uh, the, the campaigns with a slightly better chance of winning, mm-hmm. they uh, they they steal uh, they steal one or two ideas from it. Yeah, that's cool. I like that idea, and 
You know, it's funny. I look at all these candidates that are running and everything, and you know, some of them catch my eye. Um, I'm a Sanders uh, person myself, but some of them catch my eye for a little bit, and then, you know, I do my due diligence and digging, and it is the foreign policy where I'm just like, that is just that's that's not okay, and that's why yeah. I'm, I I reached out to you, and you know, I really respect what you're doing. Um, I want to ask you about centrist candidates real quick, and. Um, you know, a lot of people uh, too often just look at them as like this happy medium, you know, and the way to win. I was wondering if you could speak on why um, centrist candidates are so bad in your eyes or just don't do, get the job done in your eyes. I think, I mean, uh, you know, politics is, is fundamentally, well, I think there, there are a few criticisms of them I could lodge, but yeah. I, the two main ones I think Please. of, um, you know, politics is fundamentally about the distribution of scarce resources mm-hmm. and they they a lot of centrists and now i'm thinking of, of people like uh pete Buttigieg, yep. uh, whose name i i continually mispronounce but i think <laughs> you're not alone it's mayor pete mayor pete <laughs> yeah uh you know i think they, they understand it as kind of this this um this thing of, of giving hope to people or uh of, of kind of inspiring people or you know, uh, you know, bringing the country together instead of actually, you know, implementing policies. Yeah, that affect people uh, that are in need, yeah. And, uh, you know, I think Sanders, uh, the great thing about, you know, le- uh, legitimately leftist candidates like Sanders, like uh, Gravel, and to a lesser extent like, like Elizabeth Warren, yeah. uh, is that they see politics as fundamentally a question of, of class. You know, they, they see it as, you know, uh, we are, you know, we are kind of in a place of of class uh, struggle within this country, and to ignore that, to focus on inspiration and dreams and hope, it's you know, you're you're lying to people. You're keeping them in, in servitude mm-hmm. uh, by you know, making them a little happy with with you know shiny uh, you know shiny trinkets. Yeah. Um, and then the the other reason why centrism is a failure, and you, you see this with you know Barack Obama most prominently, is that you know, when you run uh, in the center, the politics is about compromise. Mm-hmm. Assuming you you want compromise, and if you if you run in the center and then you compromise with the people on the right, you're going to end up in a pretty right wing place. Yeah. And that's essentially what happened with uh, with Obama, oh, where yeah. you know our like the the major accomplishment of this administration is is a uh, an old proposal from the Heritage Institute, the, yeah, the Heritage Foundation. And so when you when you, when you're actually ambitious and when you're not afraid of you know of angering people or making the other side a little bit scared when you when you say you know I'm I'm a proud leftist then you know if you do get to a place of, of compromise you're going to find something that's much more to your liking I think yeah uh, and so I think for some reason I'm not sure I'm not totally sure why I think there are a few cultural uh, a few cultural reasons for it. Democrats are much more scared of, you know, uh, angering centrists than are Republicans. <laughs> Republicans have been running far-right campaigns yep. for, for years, for decades. Yeah. Uh, Democrats have always been focused on, you know, oh, we, you know, we can't anger the, the centrists. We can't, we can never promise, you know, uh, single-payer health care. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, and that, that's what we've ended up in this position that we're currently in, where, uh, you know... Where people ha- have been uh, ripped off enough by by the failures of government, by the failures of of an unjust uh, economic system, 
that they, you know, voted for uh, quasi-fascist. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, yeah, like we're saying, the politics in this country, and I think you were mentioning who knows if it's culture or not, they, uh, they have become so conservative as a whole that many centrist stances that we have, um, you know, whether it's the bombings abroad, the, all the inequality, I mean, they, they're looked at, they could be looked at as far right anywhere else, which is kind oh, of Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's shocking if you go abroad and, and you say, I'm an American centrist, people will, and you describe what your, <laughs> what your platforms are, yeah. you know, what, you, what, your, what your policy ideas are, people will, will be shocked. I mean, the norm in Britain is single-payer health care that's even more expansive than mm-hmm. Medicare for all would be. And that's that's the baseline. Even yeah. even the Tories, even even the Conservative Party, they agree to that. I mean, it's people. I think people uh, they 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 often forget just how conservative uh, America is. Probably the most conservative of, of all countries in the West. Yeah, yeah, no doubt about it. It's pretty wild. Um, I I think I know the answer to this because you've touched on it a little bit. But uh, you know, I've seen the list provided by your campaign. Um, you know, kind of critiquing the um, candidates from Harris to Booker to Beto to Castro to Mayor Pete and beyond. But so, uh, obviously, your campaign isn't in it to win. But is it? Um, is, are they hope you're hoping Sanders wins? Who are the ones? Uh, is it that top three that you mentioned um, that you're hoping do? Uh, uh, for me, I think it would be like Sanders, then Warren, yep. then uh, then probably Gabbard. I think yeah. like I have some problems with Gabbard. Mm-hmm. Uh, is you know he's Gabbard more than him? Yeah, but, I saw. I saw. Uh, I noticed that he uh, he favors her. Yeah. Yeah, I mean he, and I mean I I try to convince him that I think like Bernie, I, like he's more of a foreign policy guy than a domestic policy yeah. guy, so I, I can see why. Mm-hmm. But I I try to convince him that that Sanders is is a better candidate. So I, a lot of our supporters are are Sanders supporters mm-hmm. more so than than Gabbard supporters. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Uh, but it, you know, it's, it's a small disagreement among friends. Absolutely. So I have a question from uh, someone who, who actually put me on to uh, what you were doing. His name's Justin Wells, and um, uh, he asked, "How do you and the senator plan to raise consciousness uh, to a populace that doesn't always see the U.S. as an empire?" So I guess it's the the idea that you know you're trying to uh, wake people to the idea that you know, what we're doing abroad throughout the world is, is something that, you know, is is not okay, but they they don't see it as that. They don't see us as this big empire. Is there a, there a way to raise consciousness in the idea that, um, you know, what we're doing is wrong? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I think I, I'm of the school that before you go to, to labels, you have to get people on board with, with the fundamental ideas. So I think... You know, I, I think a lot of my ideas would probably line up with something that is, is basically like a, some sort of light democratic socialism. Mm-hmm. But I, I think that the label of, of democratic socialism, there's there's no point to use it when you can just when you can just support all the policies that it describes. Yeah. And you see that with, with Bernie, who you know in recent recent months has been kind of you know slightly de-emphasizing the label. And focusing more on the po- on the policies, which are incredibly popular. So, with you know, with bringing people on board to imperialism, to to recognizing American imperialism, uh, what you have to do is you know just uh, you know just uh, show the you know show the videos of you know of Iraqi orphans, or show uh, or, or show videos of you know us you know 
brutally murdering uh, civilians in Afghanistan or Iraq. I mean, a lot of this stuff is not covered by by the mainstream media. As to, and it's you know, the, the people who are covering it are these sites that a lot of people who consider themselves in the middle consider, uh, you know, not, not to have a very good reputation. I'm thinking of like democracy now. You know, when you when you bring up democracy now in, in a conversation with a lot of centrists, they'll kind of dismiss it as um, as this kind of like weird far left news source. Yep. Uh, you know, when in fact it, it's doing some of the only good coverage of, you know, of the, the disastrous effect of, of American intervention abroad. Um, so, I mean, the first step is just kind of bringing it, bringing the, the basic facts to people's attention. Yep. And when you have them on board with that, then you can start recommending, you know, Michael Parenti. Yeah, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah exactly. To get into the deeper concept, absolutely. Um I know that uh, besides the current campaign, uh, the senator, former senator, is focused on um, an amendment to the Constitution. I think he's actually writing a book about it called the Legislature. Uh, Legislature of the People. Yeah, can you explain that idea some? You you, um, you dig into that? Yeah, it's it's a very complex idea, mm-hmm. and I I I'm no expert on it, but basically it's it's the creation of uh, uh, of a legislature. It's basically like de- uh, like direct democracy. Everyone votes on on basically every issue. Mm-hmm. It's it's basically like a like a para government structure that's established uh, in coordin- that's established as uh, as a part of the legis- as part of the legislative branch, but eventually it kind of subsumes the legislative branch, uh, and it just kind of takes over all the responsibilities of uh, you know of, of the Senate or of Congress. So eventually, it would it would make. Uh, it would make Congress irrelevant. It's an idea that the senator is, is very passionate about. He spent a long time working on it, uh, and he's actually he has won me over to direct democracy. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm more of a skeptic than than him, yeah. but you know, it, it's it, it, he does consider it one, one of the most important things he's he's done in his in his life. Um, and so, you know, in addition to anti-war and anti-imperialism, the campaign is a good opportunity to kind of promote the idea of. Uh, of a, of a legislature of the people. Yeah, I mean, just the idea that Americans making their own laws through popular referendum is um, kind of, kind of. I mean, it's with all the money in politics, I mean, offering some sort of alternative because, I mean, it's just... Our oh, poli- yeah. Our political system right now is just completely uh, rocked by uh, financial... Uh, yeah. Yeah, so it's... I, 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 I want to learn more about that idea. I'm excited for his book. Yeah. The way the... Hopefully, you know, the senator... Hopefully the campaign, because it's kind of led to more visibility for the senator. Hopefully it uh, it helps the sales of his book. But um, yeah, I would think so. Uh, but it's the way he phrases it is is really funny. He always says, um, you know, when I was in the Senate, I was always misleading people uh, because that's that's fundamentally the job of a, of a legislator. So when people become their own legislators, hopefully they won't have to mislead others as much. Ah, I like that. I like that's a hopeful message. That's great. It is, yeah. Um, so, how do people help the campaign? Anyone listen to the to the podcast? How do you? Um, how do you? Uh, I know we need more donors. What? Uh, what? What do the people do? Uh, just go to uh, at Mike Gravel. Gravel mm-hmm. is spelled gravel on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Uh, go to mikegravel.org, uh, and you can read our, our full platform there, or uh, or you can... donate if you like. Uh, we might we might decide to veer from a donation focus to a polling focus, depending okay. on on how well our 
of the Memphis Hornets. Those, but yep. we do need we do need all the money we can get. Yeah. Uh, oh, and I should mention, um, I'm not being paid, and all uh, all money that that is spent on that all money that is not spent on campaign stuff and all the money that's left over mm-hmm. is going to be going to uh, Flint, Michigan. Fantastic! Wow, that's cool. Awesome. Um, um, so the hashtag is Gravelance. And so you and your team do all the tweeting um, over uh, on his Twitter, right? Oh, yeah. That's yeah. so cool. You guys do a really, uh, really great job. No, no. I, I, I'm just in it to make uh, centrists mad online. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm sure you're doing the trick. Let me ask about you personally. I know you've uh, run for mayor of Arsley before. You plan to do that again. You're going to stay in politics, right? No, I don't think so. You don't uh, think so? Yeah. I, I, no. I'm surprised because, I mean, your passion at your age is, is remarkable, I think. No, no, not at all. Yeah. I think, uh, I mean, I'm planning on, on becoming an historian. I think that, oh, cool. you know, politics is, is interesting, but yep. it's, uh, it, is, it can be a, a remarkably demoralizing life. <laughs> yeah, no question. No question, especially the way we see it right now. Um, oh, yeah. Well, well, keep up the good work here. It's really awesome what you're doing. Oh, and, no. And, thank, thank you so much. And thank you, everyone out there, for taking another trip across the margin. This podcast is in the loop, the legion of Osiris podcasts. Osiris is creating a community that connects people like you with live experiences and podcasts about artists and topics you love. Get in the loop at OsirisPod.com.